You are listening to a message from Redemption Community Church, a life-giving church in Westchester County, New York. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or follow our messages online at redemptioncommunitychurch.org. Thanks for listening and enjoy the message. Well, today we're continuing the series that we've been in for the past few weeks on the parables of Jesus. We're looking at these stories that Jesus told like 2,000 years ago that are still just so powerful for our lives today, like truth that we need today, stories that help us see the kingdom of God, understand the kingdom of God uh, in such a powerful way. And I don't know about you, but I've just enjoyed this past few weeks as I've been revisiting these stories and just being impacted personally by the power that they carry. So let me start by asking you this question today. How many of you have ever found something special uh, that you just had to have. Like the minute you laid your eyes on it, like I've got to splurge, I've got to buy that thing. Like whatever it costs, I've got to have it. You ever had something like that before? Come on, we all have, right? We all have. Maybe it was a car that you found that, man, the minute you laid eyes on that car, you're like, I don't even know if I can afford the monthly payments, but I have, like the minute you test drive that, drove that car, it was like it, that was done. Maybe it was a pair of sneakers. Come on, we got any sneaker heads in here? You know, those pair of Air Jordans that you splurged for. Or maybe it was when like a new iPhone came out. Come on, who in here has ever stood in one of those long lines like you camped out overnight to get like a new iPhone? You know who you are, you're technology people, right? Well, I'm not one of those guys who like has to have everything. I'm not that guy who has all of the stuff. I've never had like a really, you know, fancy car. My very first car was a 1996 Mercury Mystique. I affectionately refer to it as the Mercury Mistake because that car gave me a lot of problems. So when I think about the things I just have had to have in life, I think about my childhood, because those were the times that I got excited for things to save up for. And I had some pretty cool stuff growing up back in the day in the 80s and 90s. Like, I had a pretty impressive collection of Ninja Turtles and G.I. Joes. Can I get an amen, somebody who knows what I'm talking about? All right? We got some young people in here who don't know about the magic of those little three-and-a-half-inch action figures that made my life so full and had so much purpose and meaning. (laughs) So I had three brothers, and my oldest brother was like eight years older than us. Uh, But my other brother, my second oldest brother, and my younger brother, like, we would always coordinate on the toys that we wanted, you know, for Christmas and and, uh, birthdays. And so we would just, you know, kind of strategize, and we would have a really awesome collection. And my little brother was four years younger than us, so we always told him what he was getting for Christmas. He didn't even have a choice. We're like, we're into G.I. Joe's. You're getting G.I. Joe's. (laughs) But we would have, like, these G.I. Joe's all over the floor, and we would have these big battles, and it was amazing. And then as I got older... I got into basketball cards. How many of you ever went through like the baseball, like sports cards phase? And I had like, I had a whole book of Michael Jordans that would probably be worth a lot of money today had my little brother not given them away at some point in time. I still blame him for that. (laughs) And then, uh, yeah, I think I still have like a set of like 92, 93 Fleer basketball cards up in the attic somewhere. Hopefully they're going to be worth money someday. And then I got into comic books like X-Men and, uh, and Superman. But probably the coolest thing I ever had growing up was when I was in seventh grade, I saved up to get an amazing bike. It was a Redline 340. Now, Redline made these really cool series of racing and like BMN, BMX bikes, like the kind of bikes you did tricks on and And uh, I had had like a Walmart bike before, but I had never had like a really fancy, nice bike. And in seventh grade, all of my friends were into bicycles. And there was no way my parents were spending that kind of money. 
And I remember going in the bike shop and laying my eyes on this beautiful, sparkling, chrome, Redline 340. And if I remember right, I'm pretty sure a light shined from heaven on that bike. I heard a choir of angels singing. Like, I knew I've got to have this bike. And I saved up my birthday money, my Christmas money. I did extra chores. I begged, borrowed, stole, like anything I had to do to get this bike. And man, when I finally got that bike, I like lived on that bike. Like if you wanted to find me, I was outside, rain or shine, like on my bike. It was awesome. I put pegs on the front and the back where my friends could ride with me. We could do tricks. I had a special seat post that made it easy to do wheelies. I had tricked out like really nice brakes. Like I've never had a hot ride car before. But I'm telling y'all, in the seventh grade, I had an amazing bicycle. I'm just saying you should have seen it. <laughs> it was awesome. It was awesome. And it, it, was, it was so cool when I was a kid. But here's the whole idea. Today, I want to look at two short parables um, that come purposefully paired together. And they're both stories uh, that are, are situations where someone found something special. Someone found something valuable that they just had to have something worth investing in, something worth spending everything on to have that thing. And so we're going to look at two little short parables that are power-packed, the parable of the hidden treasure and the pearl of great price. We're going to look at Matthew chapter 13, verses 44 through 46. Are you ready? Here's what Jesus said. He said, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field. And now here's the second parable, verse 45. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. So here's the idea. In both parables, there's a character, right? The main character finds something of great value that's worth selling everything to have. And he prioritizes it and goes and gets it. Here's the idea, guys. When you find something of great value, when you find the thing of greatest value, you prioritize it. Like whatever it takes to, to have it, you go after it and you get it. Let me give you an example. In 1987, Howard Schultz had the opportunity to buy a small chain of relatively unknown coffee shops for an asking price of $3.8 million. Now, at the time, he was making $75,000 a year. So this was a major, major risk. This was a major investment. And I was recently reading about this, and Howard Schultz said he knew that this was his time. This was his opportunity. He knew if he waited too long, he would miss it. This was the thing that was worth investing in, and he had to seize the moment, and he did. And that little chain of relatively unknown coffee shops is now known as Starbucks. How many of you had a Starbucks coffee this morning? How many of you cannot function without Starbucks coffee? Now, five years later, after he made this purchase, uh, Starbucks went public, and at the end of the first day of trading, it had a market capitalization of $273 million. Not bad for a $3.8 million investment. And of course, we all know the rest of the history and the story from there. Now, here's the idea today. Here's the idea. These parables are not about spending your way into the kingdom of God. You can't buy the kingdom of God, okay? What is the whole point? Here, here's the point. Here's the basic meaning of these two 
parables. The kingdom of God is of such great value that one should be willing to give up everything he or she has in order to gain it. Just like Howard Schultz recognized that, that this opportunity was his. This was, he had to seize the moment. He had found the thing worth investing in. The idea today, here's what Jesus is showing us. The kingdom of God is worth prioritizing. The kingdom of God is worth pursuing. The kingdom of God is worth any price that we have to, to pay to, to gain it. Now, first, let's define this term, kingdom of God or kingdom of, of heaven, which really means the same thing. The kingdom of God refers to the universal reign of God that is broken into the world through the life of Jesus Christ. We're talking about light ruling over darkness. I know as modern day democratic Western people, we're not as in touch so much with, you know, a, a kingship or the realm of a king. But if you think about it, a kingdom is the realm over which a king rules. And this is the picture. This is the image that Jesus gave us. He shows up in the New Testament. He shows up in the gospels and he begins proclaiming the coming of the kingdom of God. He says, the kingdom of God is at hand. And then he begins to demonstrate. It. He begins to preach things that no one had ever heard before. Blessed are the poor. Blessed are the, are, are the meek, right? And, and he begins to announce good news to the poor and the forgotten and the marginalized. And he begins to heal people. And he begins to set people free from the oppression of evil. And he begins to open the eyes of the blind and raise the dead back to life. He begins to show them like the coming of the kingdom of God. He begins to describe to them what life in the kingdom of God looks like. It's a kingdom of grace. It's it's a kingdom of mercy. It's a kingdom of compassion. It's a kingdom of forgiveness. It's a kingdom of healing. All of the things that we've been learning about in these parables, Jesus begins to show them. And it's a quality of life. It's a certain kind of life. In fact, in John chapter 10, verse 10, here's what Jesus said. He said, the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. That is the result of this fallen kingdom, the fallen world that we live in that's under the curse of sin. But he says, I've come to give life and life more abundantly. He says, this is what the kingdom of God looks like. It's abundant life. It's abundant life. It's life marked by love and joy and peace and, and the goodness of God, the presence of God. Here's the idea today, church. Here's the main idea. When you discover new life in the kingdom of God, it's worth giving up everything to pursue it. Come on, when you discover a life with the presence of God, when you discover a life filled with the goodness of God, the kind of, of life that Jesus invites us into, the kind of life that Jesus described and, and demonstrated. When you recognize that God has rescued you from the kingdoms of this fallen, dysfunctional, broken world, and he invites you into a kingdom, a kingdom that is unfolding in this world, a redemptive kingdom, you recognize that it's worth everything to pursue that and to live in that and to possess that. And so I want to give you a few principles today for pursuing the kingdom of God, essentially aligning our lives with the kingdom of God, living our lives in the kingdom of God. Now, I'm not talking about something you can work to earn. The kingdom of God comes to us as, as a gift, but we're talking about prioritizing it, as we've read about in these parables. We're talking about living with intentionality. We're talking about pursuing this thing, this, this life, this, this kingdom of God that's worth any price we have to pay. And so let me give you a few ideas to put in your notes today. Number one, to pursue the kingdom of God, we have to first recognize its value. Write that down today so you can revisit that. We're going to talk about this in life group this week. Recognize its value. Recognize its value. In both 
parables, the main character recognizes that he's found something of great value, something extremely valuable, right? In the second parable, the merchant is searching for a pearl. And when he finds the most valuable pearl, like he sells everything to to have it. He pursues it. In the first parable, a man happens upon a hidden treasure in in a field. We kind of get the sense that he stumbles uh, upon it. Let's let's talk about that for a moment. In Jesus' time, valuable things were often hidden or buried in, in a field because they didn't have banks like we have now. They didn't have storage vaults, you know, safety deposit boxes. And so people would often bury things of of value in in their property, on the land that they owned. And so you can imagine that over time as land would exchange hands that people could end up forgetting, right? Or lose, lose track of a buried treasure that they had. And you might, you might buy a piece of land and discover that it had something really valuable buried there. In fact, archaeologists have found uh, ancient scrolls that actually described uh, different hidden treasures around the, around the Holy Land. And so Jesus tells us that the, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that goes unnoticed because of its hidden nature, That's the idea that he's conveying here. And so this man happens upon it, but he instantly recognizes the value of it. Maybe it was gold or silver, right? And so he goes away and he scrapes together all of his money to buy this field because what's hidden in this field is is worth the cost. I heard a recent story that got me thinking about this in the news about a Texas woman named Laura Young who bought a sculpture from Goodwill for $34.99 back in 2018. And so she would buy things at Goodwill that she could resell. And so she got interested in this piece, which was a 52 pound bust, the head of what appeared to be some kind of ancient Roman figure. And so she got really interested in trying to evaluate this piece so she could sell it. And so she reached out to the University of Texas at Austin to like their history department. And then she also reached out to Sotheby's auction house to try to get a feel for what this thing might be worth. Well, after corresponding for a couple years with these two organizations, they traced, the, they traced this thing back to a museum in Bavaria, Germany, and found out that this piece that she bought for 34 99 was indeed a priceless artifact from ancient Rome. This bust was the head of, of a famous general named Pompey, his son. Can you imagine? And you thought you found a good sale this past week at TJ Maxx or Marshalls or whatever, right? $34.99. This thing was so priceless, like it's been given back to a museum and eventually it's going to go back to this museum in Germany. But here's what I got to thinking about. Imagine how many people walked past, you know, this, the bust of this, this head, this sculpture, and saw a mark for $34.99 and just walked right past it when it was priceless. It was priceless. And this is a really good picture of, of the kingdom of God. This is a really good picture of the hiddenness of the kingdom of God. In, in this parable, Jesus is, is showing us something. He's emphasizing something. He, he's telling us that, that the kingdom of God is of something, it's something of great worth that many people walk right past and don't even see it. They don't even see it. In fact, let me give you some of the context of this parable. For centuries, the Jewish people have been praying for and longing for a Messiah, a king, the one who would come and deliver them from the Roman people. Here were the Jewish people who had the covenants of God, the promises of God to make them into a great people, to make them into a great nation, and yet they were conquered subjects of a pagan Roman 
people. And so they were praying. And, and for centuries, they had these prophecies that, that foretold of a coming Messiah. Well, fast forward to the New Testament, to the Gospels, and here comes Jesus. And Jesus begins preaching and teaching things nobody had ever heard before. He begins working miracles and even raising the dead. And, and crowds are following him. And everybody's trying to figure out who Jesus is. They're seeing him. And everybody has an opinion about who he is. And some people just thought he was a great, a great teacher, great preacher, a great rabbi. Some people thought he was a great miracle worker. Some, some people uh, thought he was a great prophet. And then, of course, there were those who were threatened by him. We know that the religious leaders were threatened by, by Jesus. But here's what Jesus is, is showing us in, in this parable. Jesus shows us this. It's only his disciples who saw him, who recognized him for who he truly was. There were so many people who saw him and missed who he actually was. Here were the Pharisees who spent all their time studying the law and the prophets, and Jesus was the very fulfillment of the law and the prophets, and they missed it. In fact, in the middle of this, this chapter, Matthew chapter 13, where Jesus is teaching on all these parables, the disciples begin to ask him, like, why, why do you teach in parables? And Jesus says, well, to those whose hearts are hardened, the truth of these parables is concealed. But to those of you who have seen me, who have recognized me for who I am, the truth of the kingdom of God is going to be revealed to you. And here's what he says in Matthew 13, verses 16 through 17. Listen to this. He says, but blessed are your eyes, talking to his disciples, blessed are your eyes because they see and your ears because they hear. For truly I tell you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see, but did not see it, and to hear what you hear, but did not hear it. Jesus said, for centuries, people have longed. People of God, faithful people who prayed, didn't get to see what you're seeing. But now you're living in your lifetime. You're getting to see these promises fulfilled through my life. You're witnesses to it, and you're blessed because you've seen it. You've blessed because you're, you've had eyes to recognize me for who I am. So here's the point. It's possible to see Jesus and not recognize him for who he actually is. It's possible. There were many people who actually saw Jesus in the crowds but didn't recognize that he was the son of God. He was the fulfillment of all the prayers that their people had prayed for, for centuries. And, and here's the idea today. So many people today are looking for fulfillment. So many people today are looking for meaning and purpose. It's something hardwired into all of us, the, the search for meaning in our lives. And so many people are looking for that in all of these different places, in entertainment, in sex, in climbing the socioeconomic status, and ladder and, and making money and, and, and the truth is hidden in plain sight. There are churches on every corner proclaiming Jesus Christ and, and so many people think, oh, that, that's the last place I would look for meaning. Religion? Christianity? You know, maybe that's something my parents made me do growing up or, you know, I fulfilled the, my, my sacraments as a kid growing up and I finished religious ed class, but why, why would I look there? So many people are looking for fulfillment. So many people know about Jesus, the most famous human being to ever walk the face of the earth. And yet the truth of who he is is hidden in plain sight. And people are walking right past it. And I know many of us, we would like to think as we read these stories, if I would have been in the crowd, I would have never missed out on who Jesus is. But here we are today, we have every opportunity to follow him. And so often we get distracted. If you're like me, so often we take our eyes off of him. I sit down with people who are like, Pastor Jeremy, I need you to pray for me. I just feel so far away from God. I mean, I don't know how I got here. I haven't been to church much in the past, the past year, you know. I haven't read my Bible in six months. I haven't prayed in, in forever. I haven't worshiped with other believers in, in months. I have no idea where God, where, why God feels so far away. And I want to say to him, do you think maybe it's because you took your eyes off of him? Just maybe. 
I know how easy that is for all of us in this busy, crazy world that we're living in. How easy it is for us to take our eyes off of Jesus. But here's our prayer today. God, give us eyes to see. Come on, help us to recognize the value of your kingdom. We have found the most valuable thing, life with your presence. Knowing you, walking with you. God, God, give us eyes to see. Jesus said there's a blessing, there's more revelation for those who recognize him for who he is. I don't know about you, but I want more of God. I want more of his truth. I want more of his presence. God, help us to see that we have found the kingdom of light. We can defect from the kingdom of darkness. Help us to value it above all else, to get our eyes back on you, Jesus. Here's the second thing. Number two, we're talking about pursuing the kingdom of God. We're talking about aligning our lives with with life and the kingdom of God, living in the rule and reign of our good God. To pursue the kingdom of God, number two, we have to be willing to pay the cost. Be willing to pay the cost. Now, both characters in these stories, the man who found a field, the merchant who was searching for a a pearl, both of them found something of great value, and they were willing to sell everything to gain it. They were willing to sell everything to have it. They were willing to pay the price, whatever it costs, to have that thing. All right, let me see if any of you can relate to this this morning. Anybody in here ever fell in love before? Come on, somebody put your hand in the air and help me out. If you're married, you should put your hand in the air, okay? <laughs> if you're sitting next to your spouse, you're like, I don't know. Like, we used to be in love. <laughs> Doesn't feel that way anymore these days. <laughs> All right, you should at least put your hands in the air. Come on, married guys, let me help you all out. How many of you ever fell in love before? Let me just talk to you. At least I can relate to some of the married men in here. Like, you spent stupid money when you first fell in love. You spent money on things you couldn't afford to give expensive gifts. You took her out on dates you couldn't afford to give her experiences. You had no business spending money on. Why? Because you were in love. It was willing to, (laughs) it was worth it for you, right? Like, it was worth the cost because you were in love. You were motivated. (laughs) You need to find that motivation again. I'm just saying. I can remember, like, saving up to get Amy's engagement ring. I was fresh out of college. I was teaching school in Texas at that time. I was broke, you know, student loans, all that stuff. Like just getting started and, and I wanted to marry this girl. And so I remember I connected with Amy's cousin. Amy's cousin was a jeweler up here in New York and, and we worked together and she goes, oh no, we gotta, get, we gotta get the right ring for my cousin, you know? And so she went to the Diamond District of Manhattan to make sure we had to get a, a diamond that was a certain color and a certain clarity and the price was only going in one direction, right? And Amy doesn't have like the biggest diamond. In fact, her engagement ring, if you go look at it today, you can find her after church. It's three diamonds, but they're all like colorless. They're all like perfect, right? Because her cousin was like, no, we got to make sure my cousin Amy has the right kind of ring. And I'm like, how much is this going to cost me? Right? Like I was feeling the pain. And I was so broke back then. I remember like my, my bank wouldn't give me a loan to get this, this diamond. Like I didn't have any clutter. Like what you got? I'm like, I got nothing. I got me, you know? <laughs> And they're like, you're not worth anything on paper. And so literally, I had my first credit card. And I, I don't even know if they do this anymore. Somebody in banking can explain to me after. It's been, it's been like 20-something years. But I, I, had to, I had to go do like wire transfers off my credit card. <laughs> and I, listen, I didn't even have enough credit to do it all in one shot. I had to go like three months in a row because each month I hit my credit limit to finance this ring. But here's the point. I was willing to pay the cost because I had found something of great value. Come on, somebody. I had found something of great value. My wife is the gift that keeps on giving. And if I get a few brownie points for saying that, well, hello, it was worth it. 
Here's the point, though. When you recognize the value of life with God, when you recognize the value of life in, in his kingdom, like no sacrifice is too great a cost to live in his will, to experience a relationship with Jesus. Are you with me? Like when you, when you first, come on, think back to that time when you first heard the gospel, when you first felt the love of God, when you first heard that Jesus loved you despite your past, despite your failures, despite your brokenness, and all you wanted to do was like give everything you had back to him. Like that, that's the feeling that this parable, this parable is capturing. Like it's worth the cost to follow him. See, salvation comes to us as a free gift, but yet there's a cost of following Jesus. The great paradox is that, that Jesus gave his life away to us for free, but our response is to give our lives back to him. It will cost you something. You, to follow Jesus, you no longer live your life for yourself. God has to be number one. There may be some things that you have to walk away from. There may be some sins that you have to walk away, walk away from. There may be some things that you have to let go of. There may be some things that are competing for number one in your heart so that you can love God with all of your heart, your soul, your mind, and your, and your strength. It'll cost us something. And, and I think we don't like to think of it this way. We like to think of it this way. Like, I invited Jesus into my heart, into my world. Like, Jesus, why don't you, let me just pull you down from your kingdom into my heart. And I'm just going to position you right there with all of my other priorities and all the other things I have going on. You know, my career and my social life and my recreation and my entertainment, my vacations. And there's Jesus right there in the middle of all of that. And I invited him into my life. No, no, no. When you invite him into your life, he invites you into his kingdom. And he says, I want to be in charge. I'm in charge over everything, over all of it. And I'm calling you to follow me. And I think we like it a lot better when Jesus just provides professional sin management services for us. Just like when we go to the dry cleaner. And he's like, I don't want to be your dry cleaner. I don't want to be your professional sin manager. I'm, called to, I'm calling you to follow me. I want to be your king. I want to be your king. And I'm calling you to defect from this fallen world with all of its fallen priorities. And I'm calling you to follow me. The apostle Paul put it this way in Philippians chapter 3, verse 8. He said, yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value. Do you see it? The infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I've discarded everything else, counting all of it as garbage so that I could gain Christ. This is the Apostle Paul who had pedigree. This is the Apostle Paul who was like the head of the class. He was an accomplished scholar, a religious Pharisee. He was an elite. He was like a super Jew. Like he was really good at being religious. And he said, I've, I've counted all of that like garbage compared to knowing Jesus. If I got to throw away my reputation, throw it away. If I'm throwing away my Ivy League degree to follow Jesus, I'm throwing it away. If I'm throwing away what everybody else thinks about me and, and the value that I had in this religious system, well, guess what? It's like garbage to me compared to the infinite value of knowing Christ because I've found the thing worth pursuing. I've found the pearl of great price. I've found the field that has a treasure. Knowing Jesus. Knowing Jesus. And so here's the idea. The cost of discipleship in this temporary life is worth the eternal gain. It's worth the eternal gain. Oh, don't miss it. There's an exchange here. Jesus is saying, yes, yes, you're, you're giving away your temporary life to follow me in the pursuit of all of its pleasures. But there's a reward there's a treasure hidden in a field, and it's, it's an eternal gain. And when you think of it that way, it's not just a cost. It's an investment. It's an investment. Come on, this is the New York City area. We got some people in here who understand 
how to invest. We get this where we got some people who work in, in the financial industry. Jesus says it's not just a cost, it's an investment. And so let me ask you this question. How, how are you doing with investing in the kingdom of God? We spend a lot of time thinking about investing in our 401k so we can retire one day and live on the beach in Florida. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. We spend a lot of time, you know, in the markets and investing and some of us invest in real estate. You know, we think a lot about our investments. But let me ask this question. How are you doing with investing in the kingdom of God? This is what this parable is about. This parable, it's a powerful parable to wake us up. Like, where is your greatest priority? Let me give you a simple way to think about it. You can write these down. Please write these down and pray over this this week. Three T's. How are you investing your time, talent, treasure? Can you remember that? If you'll write it down, you'll remember it better, okay? Get your phone out. Time, talent, treasure. Spend some time. That wasn't a suggestion. Take, write this down. Pray about it this week. How are you doing with your time, talent, treasure? If you want to make this practical, if you, I don't want to just have a feel-good moment in church today. We're talking about aligning our lives with the kingdom of God. If you want to, let's make that practical because, see, everybody's got a different story. Everybody's got a different situation. Everybody's time, talent, and treasure looks different. But here's what I know. One thing about all of us, we all want our lives to, to count. Every one of us, we all want to live our lives with a sense of purpose. Every one of us, when we get to the end of our lives, we want to look back and know that our lives matter. That's hardwired on the inside of us. We recognize that life is, is short. And guess what? Every one of us in here, no matter how much money you have, no matter what you're doing in life, no matter what season of life you're in, the world is competing for your time, talent, and treasure. And Jesus is saying, how are you investing that in the kingdom of God? Today, you're here on a Sunday morning. You could be somewhere else on this beautiful day, but you've invested your time to be here on Sunday morning, and I'm so glad you're here today. How are you investing your time? How about your talent? You know, I'm so thankful that we have talented people in every direction in this church. I'm so thankful for talented worship leaders who led us into the presence of God today. You don't want me up here singing? You ought to hear me singing in the shower at home. Amy's been putting up with that for years, all right? She won't, even, she won't let me try out for the worship team. That's not going to happen. I would clear this place out. How are you using your talent, the gifts that God gave you? Someone once said the, the gifts and the talents that God has, has given you, those are his gift to you. What you do with them is your gift to him. How are you using those things to build the kingdom of God? We've got business people in this place who God wants to use you. God wants to use you to impact the marketplace, impact the kingdom of God. And then here's the last thing, your treasure. What does that mean, pastor, your treasure? I'm talking about your finances, your generosity, your, your giving. And I think some of us in this place, you hear us talk about giving week in and week out, and you think that's for the really spiritually elite people. No, 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 no. This is a basic hallmark of being a follower of Jesus Christ. It's right there along with like forgiveness and like sexual integrity, like some of the basic marks. Go back to the book of Acts and read like generosity, giving, caring for the poor, caring for the needs of the church, like, like serving God with our finances. This is one of the basic things we're called to. Time, talent, treasure. How are you investing those things? And then here's the third thing, number three, to pursue the kingdom of God. We're talking about aligning our lives with the kingdom of God, prioritizing the kingdom of God. To pursue the kingdom of God, we have to, number three, joyfully abandon. Joyfully abandon. Come on, turn to somebody and say, joyfully abandon. Joyfully abandon. I want you to get this in your spirit today. Look at verse 44 again. Look at this with me. And Jesus said this, the kingdom of heaven... It's like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he did it again. And look at this. And then in his joy, went and sold all he had and bought that field. Now, in both of these parables, there's a sense that the main character has like hit the jackpot. 
Like they've found something worth pursuing. They've found something worth every expense. There's no heaviness. There's, there's no remorse. Did, did you read the same parable I read? It, it doesn't say he found a, a treasure in a field and then he went away with great reluctance and great obligation and great heaviness of heart and said, oh my gosh, what do I have to do to get this field? No, it says he went away and, and with great joy. He sold everything he had to go buy this field. Here's the point that Jesus is making. The kingdom of heaven is worth infinitely more than the cost of discipleship. Yes, there is a cost to following Jesus, but the trade-off is worth it. The payoff is worth it. And when those who find the treasure that's hidden in the kingdom of God, when, when you see it, when you find it, when you have eyes to see, you recognize joyfully that it's worth pursuing joyfully, it's worth doing everything you have to do to align yourself with the kingdom of God, to prioritize it, any price you have to pay, whatever you have to give up to prioritize the kingdom of God. This parable is not so much about the heaviness of self-sacrifice as it is about the joyful abandonment to obtain the kingdom of God. Do you see it? Like Jesus is showing us something surprising here. He's hitting it from a different angle. We, we so often think of the cost of discipleship. When you hear that, that's not usually a feel-good moment for you in church. Let's be honest. When you heard me start talking about the, the price to pay, I think so often we think about the sacrifice to follow Jesus as a really difficult thing. Like here it comes. What's Pastor Jeremy going to ask me to do? Give more in the offering, pray more, give up this thing or that thing that I love. Like, you know, sometimes it's like we, we kind of have this, okay, God, what are you going to ask me to give up next? We're almost kind of afraid to pray that prayer if we're honest, right? What if we turned it around? Like, what if we reframed our sacrifice, the cost that we pay, as joyful abandonment? Joyful abandonment. Like, what if we, we changed it up and we, and we reframed the question this way? Like, what is God asking me to joyfully abandon so that he can give me something better? Come on, let me help, let me help bring this home for you today, okay? Can you imagine if you won the lottery, like hit the Powerball. I mean like multi-million, okay? Like big time money. I know y'all don't gamble. You don't, I know you don't, you don't play the lottery. I know, whatever. I know some of you do. Here's the point. Just imagine for me. Have fun with me for a moment. Hitting the lottery. How many of you would joyfully abandon your job as one of the very first things that you would abandon? <laughs> yeah, we got some honesty in here. Thank you. Thank you. Come on, let's just replay this. In our, let's play this in our minds for just a moment. I want you to picture walking into work on that Monday morning and joyfully abandoning your job. You can say whatever you want. You can do whatever you You can jump on top of your desk. You can say what you've always wanted to say to your boss. You can say what you've always wanted to say to your coworkers. Can you imagine that? I, have a t I had a teacher in high school that I follow on Facebook. We're friends on Facebook, and he just retired. And I'm telling y'all, he went out with a bang. He did this whole video where he's dancing through the hallway. He's taking papers and throwing them in the air. He's got music playing. He's high-fiving all the other teachers. They're cheering him on. He's got a T-shirt on that's all about retirement. I mean, he went out with a song and dance. He didn't even pretend, oh, I'm going to miss the kids. No, 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 no. He joyfully abandoned the whole thing. I'm done with all of y'all. I'm going on vacation. After 35 years of teaching kids, I'm done. Joyful abandonment. I want you to get this today, church. I want us to reframe what it looks like to follow Jesus. What if it wasn't just the heaviness of paying the cost, but what if it was more about this? I'm abandoning, I'm abandoning the things of this world for something so much better. God, I'm opening my hands to release some things that have been weighing me down because you've got something so much better for me. And so maybe it looks like this. God, I'm joyfully abandoning stress. God, I'm joyfully abandoning depression. God, I'm joyfully 
abandoning anxiety. God, I'm joyfully abandoning bitterness. God, I'm joyfully abandoning getting even. God, I'm joyfully abandoning keeping up with the Joneses. God, I'm joyfully abandoning the rat race. God, I'm joyfully abandoning this idea that the more stuff I have, the happier I'm going to be. God, I'm joyfully abandoning worrying about what everybody says about me, thinks about me, posts about me, likes or comments or heart emojis about me online. I'm joyfully abandoning those things because I've found new life in you. I'm joyfully abandoning the fallen ways of this world because I've found something so much better and my hands are open to receive your kingdom, your goodness, your grace, your mercy, your love, your joy, your peace, your healing, your freedom, life with the presence of God, life with the goodness of God. I want to tell you this morning, church, you cannot put a price tag on the presence of God in your life. Growing up in my parents' home, my dad used to often say, we're the richest people in town. We would sit down over dinner and my dad would say, we're the richest people in town. Let me tell you something. According to our bank account, we weren't the richest people in town. We didn't have a lot of money. No, we had a good life. We had a, we had a good life. But here's the reality. I recognize now as I've grown up what my dad meant looking back. We were the richest people in town because we had the presence of God in our lives. And you cannot put a price tag on that. You cannot put a price tag on that. When you find the thing of greatest value, you prioritize your life around it. See, what you prioritize most, it shows, it shows what you value most. Where your priorities lie, it shows up in your time and your talent and your treasure. The way you prioritize those things. And so the ongoing temptation, here's the battle that we face. The ongoing temptation in our lives is that we're continually tempted and it's continually pressured by our culture to invest our lives into things that are temporary, things that aren't going to last. See, every, of us, every one of us in here, in this place, we all want to live lives of meaning. We all want to live lives of purpose. We all want to know that our lives matter one day. We all want that, and yet we live in a world that communicates constantly that it's all about you and invest your life in temporary things. When Jesus is calling us to invest our lives in the only thing that will last, the only thing that will outlive us, will outlast us, his kingdom, his kingdom. And so my dad used to have a, a quote hanging up in his office that I thought about this week. There's a quote from a missionary named C.T. Studd. Here's what it says. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. I can't think of a better way of saying it today. It's only what's done for Jesus that will somehow outlast us. I want you to get this today. When you give your time, when you give your talent, when you give your treasure, somehow God takes it and somehow it outlasts us. I want you to get this today. Somehow God takes our temporary lives and we invest it in his kingdom. It is the one thing that becomes eternal. It's the one thing that will outlast you. It's the one thing that will outlive you. We take our temporary lives and we give it to him with his blessing on it. He uses our investment for an eternal payoff. Expand his kingdom. And so why don't you stand with me today? And we're going to pray into this because when you truly recognize the priceless value of the kingdom of God, when we truly see Jesus for who he is, there's only one thing left to do. And that is prioritize it, pursue it. Exchange everything we have to exchange to follow him. Pay whatever price, whatever cost. Let go of whatever we have to let go of to make it our greatest priority, to follow him. So would you bow your head for just a moment with me?
just in a moment of self-reflection, I want to give you two questions to think about that we're going to pray. Two questions to think about. Here's the first one. Just an honest moment between you and God. Where have I been tempted to prioritize temporary things over the kingdom of God? Where have I been tempted to prioritize temporary things over the kingdom of God? Pray into that question this week. See, today the sermon is just the beginning of a conversation, a conversation that continues between you and the Holy Spirit throughout this week. Where have I been tempted to prioritize what's temporary over the kingdom of God? Here's the second question. How do I need to more intentionally invest in the kingdom of God? What does that look like for me? Everybody is responsible for something different. We all have our own time. We all have our own talent. We all have our own treasure. You have your your own unique situation, your place, your season of life. How is God calling you to more intentionally pursue his kingdom? Let's pray. Father, give us eyes to see today that your kingdom is the thing of greatest value. Jesus, we want to see you for who you are. We don't want to miss you. We want to recognize that pursuing you, pursuing your kingdom, It's worth any price we have to pay. Lord, today we let go of anything that would hold us back from following you. Whatever it is, show us, God. Give us eyes to see, ears to hear. God, help us to see the value of your kingdom, to realign our lives around it, our time, our talent, our treasure. Lord, to joyfully abandon the things of this life, the things of this world, the things that keep us from knowing you, to joyfully abandon those things, to follow you with our lives. God, today we want to invest our temporary lives into your eternal kingdom. And so we ask for your help to do that. Father, I pray this next week as we meditate on this parable, as we sit down in life groups and we talk about it, God, you'd begin to show us things in our lives that we need to let go of, things that are getting in the way, obstacles, things that are competing for our heart. We choose to align our hearts with your kingdom today. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for tuning into our podcast. If you'd like to connect with us or learn more about our church, please visit us online at redemptioncommunitychurch.org. We hope you can listen or join us next week.